right, welcome back, everybody. This is another really exciting edition of Stick a Fork in It. Uh, we are down a teammate today. Shannon will not be with us, but we replaced her with another new <laughs> Shannon for you to meet. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, a big Stick a Fork in It welcome to Shannon and Maddie from Brick Street Farms. How are you guys doing today? Good. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much, and I'll do my best to make up for the other Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy to be yeah. here. Stiff competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a Shannon limit on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we did not bring her to that. Um, so tell us a little bit about Brick Street Farms. Absolutely. Brick Street Farms is going on about six years old, depending on how far back we want to go. And uh, it really started as a backyard experiment and blossomed into where we are today. It's uh, really evolved over the last six years. The primary purpose of Brick Street Farms is to bring production to the point of consumption. Mm. And we do that by taking shipping containers and converting them into hydroponic farms. Man. That sounds so easy when you say it. It really does. But, yeah. but I've been in one of your shipping yes. containers, and it is not in any way easy. So No, it's not. Uh, we're starting to use a phrase, advanced simplicity. Okay. Ooh, I like and it. I that's like the it. best way to explain our farm containers. Gotcha. So they look simple from uh, the outside perspective, but they are highly sophisticated. We like to joke that we are a tech company that mm-hmm. just happens to... To grow plants <laughs> <laughs> tech farmers i love it yes so, so you know as i had the opportunity like i said to to go through and see one of your shipping containers and look at the food and then you were generous enough to give us some lettuce that did not last very long at my house i will say i was uh, like where are you going with that and the thing that really struck me was how fresh it was how it it really did you told me uh this is going to taste like actual lettuce (laughs) not you know wet green paper or whatever phrase you used but uh, you know tell me why it tastes so different absolutely i think in this day and age most of us don't know what leafy greens are supposed to taste like Mm. and that was really one of the main catalysts for starting this company Uh, particularly down here in florida we have a hard time getting high quality uh, nutritionally dense fresh produce you know most of it's trucked in Mm. and those two issues come together to have subpar produce you know Mm. it's trucked so long and uh, typically, traditionally grown produce um, lacks the freshness by the time it gets there, and it's just kind of limp and dull. Mm. Our produce is completely different. So, by the from harvest to your plate, it's about twenty four hours. Wow! <laughs> in a, good. Yeah. In addition, we grow it in such an optimal environment. There's no chemicals, no pesticides, no dirt, no bugs. It's like the perfect climate lettuce could possibly <laughs> ask for. And uh, because of that, the plants get to spend all of their time and energy just making the best plant possible instead of just trying to survive. And the result of that is a true leafy green flavor, Mm -hmm. so much so that uh, a lot of the chefs and folks that we work for actually adjust their recipes because of the flavor profile. That's awesome. (laughs) They don't have to like compensate at all. It's just already in there. They don't have to drown it in dressing (laughs) anymore. Oh, wow. So you you keep using the phrase leafy greens. Yes. Tell me what that encompasses. So leafy greens is a pretty broad term that we use, but it is everything from 
butterhead lettuce, romaine, all the way through to your basils and your cilantros. But we actually grow almost 47 different varieties here that fall under leafy greens, which really blows people's minds, (laughs) including kale, rainbow Swiss chard, sorrel, uh, just a full spectrum of flavor profiles from sweet to bitter, depending on what you're looking for. So, you know, in my mind, when I think about the term urban gardening, I have this very, very different perspective. And I think 47 varieties, it means you have like two of each, right? But <laughs> you're working at a totally different scale. How is that possible? I think that's one of the other misconceptions uh, that we are really working to address here at Brick Street Farms. So each one of our shipping containers, kind of going back to that advanced simplicity, we've figured out how to grow between two and three acres of leafy green produce out of one shipping container. (laughs) So, but what does that mean? And that equates to about two to two and a half tons of leafy greens per year per shipping container. And that's a lot of leafy greens because they're pretty light. Yes. 5,000 pounds of lettuce is very different from 5,000 pounds of strawberry. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Especially when you start cooking down the spinach and it's like a third of what it was. It completely disappears. It's like one ton then. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So how is that possible inside a container? That's, uh, it just, it boggles the mind to think you can get three acres Yep. Worth of production out of a 50-foot shipping container. It depends on which product you grow. I mean, part of that's our magic sauce. (laughs) Uh, But the other part of that is inside of our shipping container, we actually have six levels. And... But what does that really mean? Uh, Our closest competitor only has five levels. When you add that six, that's a 20% increase in production in one container. And it gets really tricky because we do use gravity in Mm. our containers. So for us to be able to get that bottom row, uh, the water pumped through there. It's a little bit tricky, mm. but uh, we've figured it out. And not only that, but as I mentioned, the environment is so perfect that our plants grow faster, mm. 50 to 60% faster than traditional lettuce grown out in the fields. Wow. And because of that, we're able to turn the farm, and I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> but a farm being a single shipping container, we're able to turn it over anywhere from every 14 days to 28 days, depending on the crop mm-hmm. and that's how we get such volume out of it yeah wow. so six zones and turning it over every 14 days you're talking about some sort of final product every other day pretty much wow. uh, <laughs> yes the uh farm containers have a tremendous amount of flexibility depending on what you're using it for so we're we've been talking about brick street farms but as you well know we also have our foundation Uh, And in order to have a continuous stream of produce that we want to make sure that our wholesale customers and our retail customers get the freshest product, Mm. we're continuously harvesting. Mm. So we harvest about 20% of each farm container every week to ensure that otherwise it would be one big harvest once a month. Right. Well, and, you know, in food banking, that's one of our big challenges, really, because we work at such volume. And if we're working with traditional farmers, you know, strawberries can only be harvested for about six weeks. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so we send ungodly amounts of strawberries to every (laughs) single one of our partners for those six weeks. And then we don't really get them unless they're retail rescue the rest of the year. You know, just last month, we were joking about uh, the great potato invasion (laughs) of of June and July of 21. Yeah. Because... 
that's when the potatoes were ready for harvest. And yeah. so it is, you know, above and beyond all of the innovation that you're doing with quality, with volume, with all of that, just the flexibility to have fresh food year round is incredible. So tell us a little bit about how you're able to kind of control the environment, control the nutrients. Why does hydroponics work? Uh, that's a really great question. So in the simplest explanation, hydroponics work is because you're able to do it vertically, which means that you can do it in a very condensed space. Unlike traditional soil fields or even large single level greenhouses that mm. use sun, uh, you have to have a ton of space, which isn't yeah. which is at a premium right. in the city. And we're sitting here in St. Petersburg. Downtown so. St. <laughs> Petersburg. We've got no 48 acres yeah. growing yeah. in a third of an acre. Clearly it's yeah. cow country down here. Yeah. There's yeah. so yeah. much room. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so that's why we use hydroponics, mm, yeah. uh, because you can go vertical. You can go up. Uh, in addition to that, the shipping container provides us a controllable space. So we joke they're like steel beasts. I mean, <laughs> they really are tanks. Yeah. Uh, because of that, they're wind, water, airtight, which means we control the temperature, the humidity, the CO2 levels, the light. We control absolutely everything about the climate, yeah. including everything that's in the tank. So you think there's just water in the tank, but there's over 120 different uh, vitamins, minerals, and nutrients oh, wow. that are in there, and we control nearly every single one of them. Man, that's pretty impressive. It's these are superfoods. I, I yes. was literally trying to. I was like super veggie, super. What do we call these? Like super something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, super greens. Super greens. I love that. Yeah. Wow. You know, you were saying earlier about all the different types of uh, lettuce and spinach, and I was just thinking how growing up for me, there was like, there was lettuce and there was spinach, and everything else was a version of that. Like, there, yes. you know, it wasn't like 40 different kinds of lettuce, but right. it's so cool to, you know, to know that you guys have such a massive variety like that. Uh, most people don't know that. That sounds su yeah. surprising. That's one of the things that, you know, as founders, we, we encountered at the grocery store. So you've got romaine, iceberg, and maybe butterhead, mm -hmm. and then spinach, right. kale if you're fancy. Yes. <laughs> And uh, we work really hard not only to bring the best versions of what people are familiar with, because that's kind of our foot in the door. Mm -hmm. You know, romaine is familiar, so you buy our romaine, and then you'll try something a little bit different. Yeah, uh, We're also trying to keep those flavor profiles alive mm -hmm. and introduce them so that they don't keep disappearing. Yeah. Well, And I, I find I'm so fascinated by the, the concept of nutrition being really two parts. It's what you're putting in your body, but it's also choosing what you put on your plate. Mm -hmm. And so often we neglect that second part, right? We think, okay, well, you can get all of these important nutrients and whatever, but I watch my sons eat dinner and I watch them push <laughs> broccoli around and spread it so that it looks like they actually ate more than they did. Yeah. And, and if it just sits on the plate or just sits in the store and never gets in your mouth, you don't get the value, the nutrition mm -hmm. Uh, that that comes from all these options and so it's another thing i find really interesting about your the, what you provide to your customer is that you're offering really tasty unique flavors mm -hmm. and so even if romaine's not your thing right maybe you've had romaine every single day on your plate because <laughs> that's all you bought at the store because mm -hmm. you didn't realize there were 17 other varieties of <laughs> yes lettuce. yes you know, being able to mix it up is, I think, really important as long as you're offering the opportunity to have, you know, available nutritious content. If you can mix it up, that will, I think, lend to people eating it more often. 
I think you're more likely to mix up your dinner salads mm. if you can try different flavor profiles, different True. colors. You know, I will say it's much easier with adults than it is with children. <laughs> oh, so yes. we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna give them too hard of a time. But if mom and dad are eating a more colorful palate, mm-hmm. uh, then you know perhaps the kids will follow. Mm. We uh, find that a way, the helpful way that Brick Street Farms works to introduce these varieties is providing um, preparation suggestions. Oh yeah, and recipes Mm. so on our website you'll find our blog and also through instagram you can get there but we offer different ways to prepare and use many many of our greens fresh and cooked so to kind of help help you think of leafy greens in a different way yeah it takes away some of the um i don't know responsibility you know to like try to think up something fun to do it just you know kind of puts that right in your hands Mm -hmm. we all know the caesar salad Mm -hmm. but you know there's there's quite a bit of other options Mm -hmm. we all know the drown it in ranch and (laughs) (laughs) that's the salad my husband grew up oh yeah 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 absolutely so i'm fascinated by the material and the content that you guys produce, but also just the story of a startup. I would love to hear more. You know, you told us a little bit about you started as a backyard experiment and now you have 48 acres (laughs) here in downtown St. Petersburg. But I'm guessing there's a whole lot of ups and downs and crazy (laughs) stories and interesting things that happened in those five in between years. So tell us a little bit about what it was like to build a startup in St. Petersburg. Oh my gosh, it's one of those things you truly don't know what you don't know when you get started. Uh, It's like running a marathon every day with uh, people throwing things at you along the path. That that Um, sounds tiring. It's it's constant problem solving. Uh, But to get back to starting here in St. Petersburg, so my husband and I have been residents of St. Pete for about 14 years. And it really is the community of St. Petersburg that gave us the confidence to take it from a garage experiment to a business. Mm. Uh, The community involvement, community organizations, local support, everything that you see from a lot of local makers, local topia, there's there's just a ton of examples that you could give about community activism. Uh, you know, we're really not that big of a city, so it's a little bit of a small town. So, you know, people, everybody knows each other. Hmm. Uh, that is really what gave us the confidence to take that leap. Uh, once we started, uh, we focus on uh, wholesale direct-to-restaurants and direct-to-consumer through our market and online shopping. And that's a testament to the community. That's one of the key differentiators for Brick Street Farms is direct to our wholesale restaurant partners and retail, as opposed to focused on mass distribution with food companies and wholesalers and even some of the largest grocers out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we really walk the walk Mm -hmm. when it comes to community and our restaurant partners and the residents of St. Pete have really shown up for us. Yeah. Direct retail location at Third <laughs> Avenue South and Twenty Second Street. Just in case you're interested, <laughs> yes, right. yes. You'll find us on Google. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Right across from Three Daughters. So that's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I use yes. that example all the time. Yes. <laughs> this podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. 
we kind of jumped right in the middle of the conversation, which I love to do. Um, and we've talked about farming. You clearly have a very good handle on all of the kind of challenges and unique pieces of it. And so before we met, I had this image of like, oh, she probably grew up in Kansas or in <laughs> Iowa and like lived on a farm for her first. No, you're an engineer. Yes. Ah, uh, that so, makes sense. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> so, I don't know who else can turn so, a car container into help, help yes. our, Yeah, help our listeners understand how that, that background kind of <laughs> led you here. My goodness. So, no, I grew up actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ah, so I grew up in a, in a very urban area. I didn't get into gardening even until college. Uh, and I was a backyard hobbyist. Huh. Uh, completely different type of growing, different soil, different water source. I mean, just amazing uh, farms mm. in uh, western Pennsylvania, Midwest, Mid-Atlantic. And when we came down here, uh, I tried to do the same thing. It was just a hobby, raised garden bed, and I was not very good at oh, it. No. Uh, <laughs> Poor soil, very sandy, lacking any type of nutrients. The pests are Mm. crazy. Heat. um, It is a little warm. People that do it successfully here completely have my admiration. (laughs) Uh, So we converted our garage into a hydroponic space. Uh, And it kind of blossomed from there. So I'm an engineer uh, by background, and my husband is a software engineer. (laughs) And uh, we both worked for a large utility company, a large electric utility uh. in St. Petersburg, <laughs> if you're familiar. And we both work on sustainable projects. So we were working on cutting edge uh, electric grid projects to build sustainability and redundancy into our grid system. <coughs> so we took a lot of what we learned from that experience and started applying sustainable measures, particularly around power usage, Mm -hmm. even at our very small scale. So um, sustainability and reduction of resources has been fundamental and at the core of Brick Street Farms from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's part of the story that I love to hear because, you know, there's, there's a really obvious win on the nutrition side. Right. There's a really obvious win on the availability of fresh greens to a wider part of our community, which we'll get back to uh, for (laughs) sure. Uh, But adding in the sustainability piece and the reduction in use of resources, I think, is another huge win in what you're doing. And like you said, St. Pete is a place that is always looking for technology, like that is always interested in sustainability. And, uh, you know, we we are surrounded on three sides by water. So (laughs) it's really important to be aware of our our resource usage. You know, Um, at Feeding Tampa Bay, we talk often about how we are the largest recycler in the region because this year we are going to distribute 95 million meals. It's over 110 million pounds of food. And almost all of that food would have ended up in a landfill. And so, you know, we at, at Feeding Tampa Bay, I think, don't do a good enough job of talking about how important sustainability is to us and how we contribute to that ecosystem. But I think for you guys, it's so obvious, right? You you drive up and you see the, the containers and the amazing amount of product you can produce out of a tiny little space. Uh, and it's, I, I really highly commend you guys for, for the way you approach it. It's it's great. Um, and so I want to shift gears a little bit. Shannon's not here with us today. Our Spirit. Shannon. The other Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that other Shannon. <laughs> She'll um, be Shannon too today. <laughs> so... 
if Shannon were here, this is usually the point where she interrupts me because I get excited about the nerdy stuff of whoever we're talking <laughs> right. about, um, and brings it back to Maddie and Shannon as individuals, mm-hmm. right? Because no matter what Brick Street produces, it always starts with you know the people. The mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It always starts with uh, you know how your story impacted, right? So you told a little bit about growing up in Pittsburgh. Um, one of the questions we love to ask is we're just uh, foodies, right? <laughs> I, you can't help but be yeah, if you, if you yeah. work with us. We, where we work, yeah. <laughs> and, and people would laugh really hard if they heard me calling myself a foodie because I'm like, <laughs> I can name you the best greasy hamburger restaurants in every city I've <laughs> oh ever been goodness. in. Uh, but we love to hear from our guests about your memories around the table, meals that are kind of meaningful to you. So just off the top of your head, you don't have to think too deeply about it. Share with us some food memories that you have that is mean, that's meaningful to you. Well, it's really difficult to start with one meal because <laughs> I, I am Italian, as I've told you guys earlier. But I think the most important thing was... Uh, our meals were about family. They were about um, bonding. The food was a way to get people to talk to each other and to appreciate each other. And the other thing was, is I grew up with, uh, you know, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I grew up with, you know, picking the zucchinis out of the gardens, mm. the tomatoes out of the gardens for all the meals that were prepared. And we also grew the lettuce as well. And so, they were fresh meals and i think this is why this is such a great fit because honestly it it hasn't been since a very long time ago that i tasted lettuce (laughs) and that's what i was saying to you you know about tasting the lettuce Mm -hmm. and so the meals uh pasta meatballs Mm -hmm. salads you know (laughs) zucchinis squash mush all the great stuff but really about making time for each other every day and taking those moments in as a, as a way to communicate, keep communication open between moms and <laughs> dads and, you know, 13 and 14 year olds. I, yeah. I love that perspective yeah. because so often when we think about meals, we think of this special occasion, right? Right. Some yeah. Mm-hmm. Unique circumstance. Christmas dinner. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Standing rib roast that you only make once a year. Right. Yeah. Right. Super right. Bowl. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and yet. It is something we engage with three times a day, yes, right? And, right. And there is such an importance to that opportunity to yes. sit around the table, regardless of what the food is right. like. And you know, we talk, Evan and I talk a lot about how that is as important to us mm-hmm. as anything else mm-hmm. that we do. That that opportunity yes. for a family to sit together around a table, and mm-hmm. you know, if there's not a lot to go around, or if you it's not really ideal food because you can't afford fresh greens or you can't, you know, it, it it makes it really hard to have that same type of kind Mm of community closeness feel over a table. And that's one of the things I love about where we're headed (laughs) with your foundation, where we're headed with the work that we do is that we, open that up so it's not just a special occasion when there's a turkey drive and right. you can go you know get one for your family but it's every single day you do have the food in front of you that you need mm-hmm. so um, I, I love that answer because I Thank think it, it puts a different spin on it yeah. um, 
so Shannon, tell us a little bit about. She has to follow know. that act now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a completely different. I can completely understand. I appreciate where Maddie is coming from. So. On the other hand, mm-hmm. I'm not Italian, <laughs> Shannon O'Malley. Yeah. I come from an off-the-boat off Irish the family, and we are not known <laughs> for our cooking. Um, gotta love the Irish community, but I gotta tell you, my grandmothers were not known uh, for their fancy meals. Fair. It was uh, more sustenance right, uh, right. to grow. Um, it doesn't mean we still had the great family gatherings, Ours was probably focused on some other items other Fair. than, yeah. uh, you know, the... Still things you consume. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Still things you consume other than um, the, uh, yes. Fresh, yes. the fresh yes. food, the Italian. Yeah. I always had Italian friends, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. make the best friends. Yes. Um, so with that, uh, but what I really recognized is that, for me, there was such a stark difference coming from the north to the south. And for me, that was a huge eye-opener. Uh, up north, and I'm going to give some props here to the Midwest, uh, amazing farms, right. amazing uh, nutrient-dense soil, uh, Great Lake, you know, glacier water sources, mm-hmm. and winter to kill, you know, the pests. Mm-hmm. Uh, people think that because we're in the south and it's warmer year-round, you can grow more. Actually, right. it's quite different. Right. And uh, when I recognize what the supermarkets look like down here and the limited time mm-hmm. for the farmer's markets right. down here, and then the greens time frame is even smaller, right, right. really recognize the deficiency in the fresh food capabilities. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I wanted to do was bring that freshness that you have up north that I did experience with my family and I did experience growing up there, that accessibility to such wonderful produce and it was, people didn't even know what they were missing down right. here. Yeah. You know, iceberg was normal uh, and nothing else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I really wanted to bring was that, you know, Midwest accessibility mm. uh, down here. I had a, a friend from Missouri that I used to work with and we were talking about food one day and I was saying how I'd never really liked tomatoes. And he was like, well, that's because you're in Florida. And I was like, what really do you mean? Ha- yeah. You never really <laughs> he was like, no, one. if I brought you to Missouri and you had a tomato, you'd love tomatoes. And I was like, right. oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. You were spot yeah. on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it is so interesting to think about it that way because, you know, as a, as a Floridian, I grew up eating grouper. Mm. Okay. And, it's almost the exact opposite, yep. right? Yep. That is a really, really tasty fish. Yes. Yes. And then you talk to you know friends from the Northeast or from the Midwest, and it's like it's grouper. No really, idea, none. You have to like pick the bones out of river trout, right? Yeah. Like, We've got frozen tilapia, yeah, right. right? Yeah, which we're not even going to talk about, about that. How, yes. how you feed that, tilapia, yeah. right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and, and you know. In Clearwater Beach, we have Frenchies. Yeah, they have oh, their I own love fleet. Frenchies, yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, it's right? the best grouper. And yeah. it, the yeah. grouper that the same organization that is serving it to you caught the mm-hmm. day before right. in mm-hmm. the wild. Uh-huh. You know? And that's a totally different situation. I feel like you're sharing with us a very similar concept, but on the opposite side mm-hmm. with greens. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I, my Curtis wife... in general, yes. Yeah. My yeah. wife jokes with me because I love seafood, right? We grew up here. We lived on the East Coast for a while. I would eat 
mahi over yeah. there. I would yeah. eat swordfish, yeah. you know, anything. And then if we're any more than like 25 miles from a major body of water, I will not eat seafood. <laughs> right. You cannot convince me that that is good and fresh because I watch people catch the food right. I eat. Right. Well, yeah. that means then, Matt, that I should never catch you eating lettuce other than Bridge Street exactly. Park lettuce. That's exactly so right. Why don't, why don't people think the same way right. about True. produce? Right. True. Yeah. And yes. absolutely, I teed it up and you hit it right out of the park. That was, yes. That's exactly where I was yeah. going. And that that's one thing I love about this and why uh, I'm going to finally get around to why we're even sitting here together <laughs> and why we, how we got to know each other. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about the fantastic donation you guys made in a minute. But the last two weeks have been a little crazy yes. for us as yes. partners, yes. right? Yes. yes. We decided less than two weeks ago that we were going to apply for a federal grant together. Yes. <laughs> Many of our listeners probably hadn't had the experience of applying for a federal grant, but they might imagine what that process looks like. Mm -hmm. And then if you quadruple it, you get close to the actual (laughs) amount of work it takes. Um, But Maddie, tell me why we applied for a federal grant together. What are we doing? Um, So, you know, we saw this grant come across the table and um, my ba- I have a background in nonprofit, and one of the things that was most important to me and how I felt I was successful in that arena was I love the partnership or the yeah. idea of partnership between two, two or more nonprofits mm. together. Yeah. Um, I think you can get a lot more accomplished. There's obviously a lot more reach that's involved. And I think that's appreciated. It's an appreciated model when, from a grant standpoint. So you, instead of just putting the grant towards one organization, yeah. putting it towards two great organizations, yeah. uh, makes a really big difference. And if I was a, a grant approver or whatever their formal <laughs> name the is, title, yeah, yeah, I'm using yeah. Shannon's air quotes <laughs> that you can't see, um, that would be something that I would be looking for. And so... As we started um, Desert Farms Foundation, this was all Shannon's, uh, our Shannon here's idea. (laughs) This is her uh, brainchild. Um, We had to look at ways, because we're very new on the block, we had to look at ways of who was going to be the best partners and where can we affect the most people. And so this was an easy hit. This is more of a capital grant. Um, we obviously have the containers. <laughs> you guys have a um, are working on and uh, have a brand new Pinellas uh, feeding Tampa Bay Pinellas site, which mm-hmm. we hope to hear more about from you guys. Yeah. And so that opportunity arose. And I have to say, from the second that I reached out to um, feeding Tampa Bay, uh, you guys have been amazing partners people to work with. I literally said in a meeting, I think it was uh, Tom Mance and Rhonda and Matt, <laughs> and I'm sorry for anyone else I forgot, and I said, I need help, but I think I've got something. <laughs> 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 and um, so we are so thankful. Um, Lindsay did this great job in, yeah. in getting this grant together, but really the realization is that we're going to be able to place uh, one of our Thrive containers mm. at the Feeding Pinellas satellite site. Yeah. And that accomplishes several things. One, obviously, the fresh food that will be coming in out you know, from the container, from what we decide to grow, which how cool is that? That is really cool. We yeah. get to say what we, <laughs> what, what, what we want to grow. Right. Um, and then also we are working to employ 
uh, people from that area as far as workforce development, which is very important to us. Hydroponics is a career now. Yeah, this absolutely. isn't just a job, right. right? This this person or people can really take advantage of a full career path now with on-site learning, training from us, you know, Brick Street Farms, yeah. and um, and then yeah, and then you guys have greens that. You'll be able to have all year round that Pretty tastes awesome. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always joke with people that I have uh, a chef, some truck drivers, and some social workers on my team, and now I get to hire a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited yeah, about exactly. that. You know? yes. Florida Blue's mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. In partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, their collective goal is a hunger free Tampa Bay by 2025. How will we do that? by ensuring that all our neighbors have access to fresh, nutritious food that is essential to a healthy and capable lifestyle. We invite you to join the movement. Visit hungerfree2025.com. The thing I loved about our first conversation is one, I think one of our skills at Feeding Tampa Bay is knowing a good idea when we see it, yeah. right? Not necessarily coming up with them, just knowing exactly. them when we see them, yeah. right? It doesn't <laughs> right. have yeah. to be our idea right. to take it and run with it. And so you brought this idea to mm -hmm. us and, and I think all three of us, Rhonda Thomas and I immediately were like, yes, we're doing <laughs> yes. this. This can work. This yes. is happening. Um, and I, the other part I loved was that we decided together that regardless of what happens with this grant, right. we're going to do this. Yeah. Right. We're this is such this a good idea. Yeah. This will happen. This will happen. You know, I, I just, I think forward to feeding Pinellas opening this fall and having a, a Trinity cafe as a centerpiece of it right. and being able to walk 20 paces <laughs> yeah. into yeah. our shipping container yeah. full of beautiful, healthy <laughs> greens yes harvest a little bit of it, bring it back inside and immediately put it on the plates mm -hmm. of the folks who come to us for a free meal. Yeah. And yes. They are going to eat better yeah. than, <laughs> than most people who go yes, to really nice exactly. restaurants mm -hmm. here in the Tampa Bay area. And, and that's that is why we love feeding Tampa Bay because you guys provide a different model of ownership, of scalability, mm -hmm. of um, access that really supports the infrastructure that you guys are building over there. And it's it's quite amazing to see and, and to view in person. Yeah, I think our first 30 minute meeting turned into about a two and a half yes, hour we meeting. Were, we were <laughs> kept coming up yeah. with new ideas. We were like, yeah. oh, we could use it at Trinity and then we can put it in yes. the uh, pantry that's going to be there. And then also, you know, we can bring over the kids from the elementary school and teach them about the sustainable farming and so we're going to cool. hire somebody yeah. and do yeah, some workforce right development. And we just kept it going. It was quite, uh, yeah. uh, quite amazing. Yeah. And I'd be remiss to not include that we're also through this grant going to be providing nutritional education yes um so yeah. just like ever and you got, and matt had said earlier you know kids it's already hard enough to get them to eat greens right, right. but we have to remember the ones who've never seen them mm -hmm. don't even know how they grow yeah and so the adding the addition of the nutritional education mm -hmm. that we're going to be providing um, in partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay is also going to really help open some minds, mm -hmm. teach children, teach adults, yeah. um, because there are people in food deserts who... <laughs> They re I mean, it's hard for me to believe, yeah. um, but that they have, they don't even understand how produce grows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, we, uh, you know, you, you've teased it a couple times now. You mentioned that, that Shannon had a great brainchild beyond yes. just the mm -hmm. business. But yes. I do want to talk for a minute about the Desert Farms Foundation yeah. and about um, 
the opportunity to partner on that side of your world because I the other thing that we identified immediately in our conversations with you was that this isn't just a startup this isn't just a business that wants to profit off of these trends of sustainability <laughs> and urban agriculture right. and all of that you're committed to sharing what you've learned to utilizing the amazing product that you produce to support a community that surrounds this building that we're sitting in that is in really, really high need of access to good produce, to mm -hmm. good, healthy food. Mm -hmm. So Shannon, tell us a little bit about how that kind of emerged as you grew the business. Well, thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. uh, while we developed Brick Street Farms and more and more people had exposure to our farm containers and our capabilities and just the tremendous production capabilities that we had and how nutritiously dense, we started to become aware that the technology investment that we've made on the Brick Street Farm side can be applied to solve a very real current problem. Yep. And it's not just about nutritionally dense, but you know, nutritional inequality, mm -hmm. uh, access to food, food access, and uh, you know, basically a, a number of social in injustice uh, issues that are that are current today. Hence the name Desert Farms Foundation. Mm -hmm. yeah. We are also on the cusp of one of the largest food deserts in Florida, here in South St. Pete, and it felt irresponsible for us to develop this company and this technology and not find an avenue to be all inclusive. Yeah. And we recognized that we could apply our technology to solve a problem and not just service one part of the population mm -hmm. in our state and hopefully across our country, mm -hmm. but we could service a broader population, particularly those that are underserved. And uh, you know, Maddie's connection with feeding Tampa Bay, when I envisioned this, I knew we had the technology, I knew we had the capabilities, I knew the, the, the job training and the professionalism and the food and the education, but I also knew what was glaringly missing, which was access and distribution mm -hmm. and infrastructure mm -hmm. on the nonprofit side. So are you saying 500 community partners and 60 trucks would help? <laughs> I, was, it, it, I knew we needed that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but what I recognized from visiting your site was it's how real it is and the mm -hmm. infrastructure and uh, you know, our farms are nothing without the proper distribution and to right. get it into hands and feeding Tampa Bay's capabilities to do that is absolutely necessary to have the impact on desert farms. Uh, so we are just so grateful um, because I, I think that a lot of nonprofit organizations cannot be successful if they don't really have the distribution, the reach, and they lack the structure mm. for it, and uh, or they try to do too much. Mm. Yes. And uh, I think our partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay will ensure the longevity of this program right. because that is what we really need is is to be present. Mm. And and I think that speaks so highly of the way you approached 
the the opportunity to make a difference because you know maddie and i talked that we've been in the nonprofit world for a long time and what you see over and over again is a good-hearted passionate founder Mm -hmm. with an idea for how they can change the world and make a difference and then they go it alone Mm -hmm. and you know all of a sudden you're 20 miles out to sea on a solo kayak you're 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 in trouble right and so we have literally thousands and thousands of nonprofits in the Tampa Bay area that have no staff and only have enough resources to basically maintain their paperwork status and, and, and do a little bit of good. Um, and, and I love the way that you identified the opportunity that we have together because that's how feeding Tampa Bay is designed. You know, we don't produce food yet. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) we don't do almost anything on our own, right? right? We we are designed to be in partnership with the community. We are designed to be in partnership with smaller nonprofits, with people who are direct uh, on the ground in service to the folks right around them. And that's how things work the best. And we've been doing that for 35 years. And so the opportunity to share that process with you, to share our partnerships with you, to go into schools together, because we're already mm-hmm. in 60 schools in the Tampa Bay area, you know, to, to do all of those things together, it brings something that we always struggle with, which is access to fresh, healthy produce. We can do that part. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, which is right. why Thomas and I could barely stay in yes. our chair when <laughs> right. we're talking, right. you know? Um, and I think it's important, too. One of the things that Thomas spoke about was um, innovation. Mm. Yes. And that being a big part of um, the, the continued growth of Feeding Tampa Bay. And yeah. so, obviously, this was another great fit um, for this, this goal's that you all have set out to do. I love that innovation is a part of that. There's a lot of organizations similar to yours that continue to do the same thing over and over again. And they still are, you know, have access and are, and are feeding people. However, is that built to, is that, should we be revisiting that model? And to me, the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah, It it is not in our DNA to sit still and and do the same that we've always done. You know, we, we are always looking for how we can do what we do better or contribute to something larger or, uh, bring people in together. And, um, you know, even just the, the, the evolution I like to share with people is when I joined feeding Tampa. Bay, the tagline that we had was because no one should go hungry. Noble, wonderful, agree, never walk away from that statement and that sentiment. Mm -hmm. But now our tagline is because food makes tomorrow possible. Yes. And that little shift is, (laughs) I think, really important because it's not just about hunger and deficit and lack. And we're not guilting people into being part of our work. We're opening up possibilities for folks who didn't have them before. And that's exactly why, Shannon, your approach to this community that you sit in was so perfectly aligned with our perspective. We knew what we were capable of, but we also knew where our limitations were. Mm, And, you know, with Brick Street Farms as well as Desert Farms Foundation, access to fresh produce is becoming a global issue. Yes. And it's ever more prevalent and some of the, the communities that you serve in that Desert Farms Foundation was designed to serve. Uh, you know, so we're working on solving that problem on a national and, you know, hopefully global level. 
But in order to really reach all facets of the community, a partnership like this was absolutely critical for us to have that that long term impact. Yeah. And that's what really matters. I'm really excited for the for the future of our partnership. Yes, and so too. I have one last question for yes, you guys. Yes. It's kind yes. of two parts. What's next? What's next for Brick Street Farms? What's next for Desert Farms Foundation? I'll take the Brick Street and you can take <laughs> yeah, the Desert Farms. All right. All right. Yep. Uh, so that's really exciting. So Brick Street Farms is on the cusp of a major expansion right now. So mm-hmm. we're sitting at our headquarters right now in the Warehouse Arts District. And you may have seen recently we secured a uh, very generous investment from the Likes Brothers Corporation, uh, which is uh, one of the longest agricultural companies in the United States, founded in 1900 here in Florida. And with that, we are moving forward with what is called our hub model. Mm-hmm. And the hub model is built to serve the communities from which it is based. And a hub will include eight farm containers with on-site packaging space and retail. Mm. So that means that our vision is to put these hubs in every major urban center so that you can truly have your local farm Mm. in Mm. your neighborhood, but your local farm that's on a third of an acre is growing 24 to 28 acres worth of produce. (laughs) And you can walk down the street and get your fresh produce year round. So we really want to shift what the urban farm truly looks like by embedding in the community. So you'll be able to shop at the farm and have a great experience, but we're really expanding our digital platform too. So you can shop online Mm -hmm. and we will have 24 by seven cold storage pickup as well as home delivery. Wow. Within a certain radius, I'm happy about that. And uh, you know, with that, so we'll be opening our first uh, true hub model here in downtown St. Petersburg towards the end of this year, and we are actively seeking our second location somewhere in downtown Tampa at the moment. I feel spoiled that I live in St. Pete, yeah. so close by. I get yes. to experience yes. this first. Yes. Perfect. Yes. We'll make sure you're at the grand opening. Yes. Yeah, please yes. do. Yeah. You will be. And then he'll be there the next day. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> the day after that. <laughs> so, Maddie, Desert Farms Foundation, what's on what's on the table there? Well, um, I think, you know, initially, be- before the feeding Tampa Bay, you know, it was very important for us to wherever our market expansion goes, a, a desert farms container goes along with that um, in, a, in a food desert area or an area without access to the fresh nutritional greens. Now, with our partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, I believe that the sky is the limit. Um, so there's a lot more possibilities there. It's also important to note that, you know, we are going to be receiving our own, you know, grassroots donations. Mm -hmm. I'm also working with corporate partners at the corporate level for corporate donations. I think it's really important. You know, we have talked with people directly in the communities um, that are that are in food deserts. We certainly didn't want to be a group that came in and said, okay, we're going to do all this fancy stuff right. and then leave them with no tools, mm. no education, nothing. Right. Uh, that is not what we're trying to do. And so having you know the opportunity to have our first container in Kenneth City, 
um, at the feeding Pinellas site is, is going to be, uh, you know, our first time doing it. So it's going to be so exciting. Yeah. So um, we'll make all the mistakes. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was those guys. Yeah, <laughs> and we will 100% blame you. Yeah. No. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, I'm used to that. I have yes. three boys. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, um, you know, I think the, the entire Brick Street Farms, Desert Farms, our Thrive Containers, it's about community. And Shannon, correct me if I'm misspeaking, but, you know, it's community, it's access, it's um, doing the right thing. Mm, I mean, how could you look out here and see these containers and not have the next thought? Holy, we there's so, we can also impact yeah. um, people's lives. Um, it's it's not just for yeah. one. Exactly, group. this is not um, our first. Um, it certainly won't be our last, or it will be our first, sure. but it won't be our last. <laughs> and we're really excited. And I, and like Shannon touched on, it's really becoming a pa- it's a passion project for us, but it's becoming a passion project for a lot of other organizations and a lot of other people when they really step back and realize, Oh my gosh, there are people who don't even know how plants grow. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I often, when I talk about food deserts and the the challenges of communities that don't have regular access to fresh food, I, I always use the example of a banana, right? You and I can go into probably six Publixes within three miles of our house right. and get a pound, you know, 50 yeah. cents a pound, and get as many beautiful bananas as we want. Yeah. But in a lot of the communities we serve, you're going to go to the corner store and get a 95 cent brown banana. Oh, One, yeah. you know, yeah. And, yeah. and when I think about it, that's actually better access than, than even some than, have. Yeah. Than some have. And then you have to fresh vegetables. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. when's the last time you walked into a corner store or a convenience store and saw... Vegetables. Never, right? It doesn't happen. And so if that is the primary access to food for someone, Mm -hmm. they really do have an incredible opportunity here through the work of Desert Farms to to really radically change diet. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we can't be more thankful. (laughs) If we were going to have a first partner, it, you know, had to be you guys. And again, just the welcoming and the offered commitment, mm. offer to help, um, really has means a lot to us. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're you know we we've said this to you a couple times now in the last couple of weeks, but uh, we are all in. You know, we <laughs> so uh, we are too. too. Yeah, it's ex- we've, we're going to have another donation <laughs> next week, buddy. We're going to learn yeah. through this first one together, yes. Yes. Right. and yes. we're only going to figure out how to make it better and yes. stronger yes. and more efficient. And you know, as Maddie was saying, we thought that these desert farms containers would go with our hubs, mm. but you never know. With feeding Tampa exactly. Bay, right. the desert farms might go first. Mm. Yes, right. Exactly. It's entirely possible. Exactly. For sure. There are so many cool things coming down the road. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for, for being part of a uh, podcast with us today. Mm-hmm. And Thank you, you for having us. us. This is going to be exciting. And now, hey, and for everyone out there, now they go get to see inside the containers. That's right. I hate yeah. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.